Welcome to the Televerse, the podcast just for TV. Because it's great, we're lucky they make so many fine programs to see. Your hustle and Kate like to debate the merits of all that they've seen. Comedy, genre, reality, drama, and anything that's in between. Welcome to the Televerse, less of the show. Hello and welcome to the Televerse. This is Kate Kalsik, joined as ever by Noel Kirkpatrick. And uh, Noel, we are we are so close. We're very close to the end of 2020. Um, the, the, you know, New Year's Day 2021 will still be in the middle of COVID and we will still have the current administration and lots of, you know, other things. Uh, but it will feel like we are inching closer. So I, I'm pretty excited about 2020 kind of wrapping up. How, how are you feeling? <laughs> I mean, I'm excited to start a new decade. Mm-hmm. Um, Very yeah, important. I'm one of those people. Um, <laughs> the people who are correct, I believe, is what you're right. trying to yeah, say. Yeah, the, the people be. who... The only time I care about math is when it deals with dates. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I don't I don't know how I'm going to feel about it. I, my general feeling is that I don't think I'm going to really notice a difference. Mm-hmm. Um, just because I'm going to be still at home. Um, we're not going to be leaving the house. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's just, it's going to feel very much the same, I think. And it's going to feel very much the same for a while. I am also probably going to keep trying to wrap my brain around the fact that we're closer to March. Yeah. <laughs> when all this started than we used to be. Yep. Um, and it's going to be a weird day when I write day 365 in my uh, new um, agenda book to, that yeah. I've been tracking and going like oh i'm doing this for a year now okay all right yeah Yeah. well this is a real downer note that we're starting this This on well but for me i don't know i think because i know a lot of people are very excited to ring out the new year and like 2020 is finally over but for me i think what you're saying it really rings true where i am excited for it but Mm -hmm. i am not building it up in any significant way because i am very aware that yeah. the beginning of 2021 is gonna feel like 2020 still, um, and cause, you know, so so it's like yes, but is sort of where I'm at. So every everybody who's excited about like I, I was enjoying the um, Shit's Creek headbands I saw going around for um, New Year's that say "Ew 2020" in like gold like glitter letters on top of a headband. I was like, oh, absolutely delightful, love it. Um, but also, I just don't want, I don't want, a, like, a, a wave of malaise to sweep through the populace when, like, the second or third day of 2021 are still very much this, so. Right, uh, yeah. Yeah. It's not going to change. Um, change. The only thing that will change is come February, we'll have a bunch of CW shows to watch. We will have so many. C- are you excited for Walker? I'm so excited for Walker. Um, mainly, I, I, I watched the trailer for Walker that mm-hmm. uh, Jared... Padalecki uh, posted and I spent all I watched it twice because I needed to go wait who's that other guy and it's Toby from Pretty Little Liars um but I had to like look it up because I was just like I know that I know that person's face and that's what I focused on in the walker <laughs> um I also focused on the lack of roundhouse kicks to the face mm-hmm. well that's is- you know what happens when you're filming in COVID? You can't get the you got like that. That is not a ranged situation. That's a close combat, you know. Deployment. No, it's but that just depends on the length of your leg, Kate. Like it's true for some people, that is a ranged attack. I need to. I'm underestimating Walker, and I shouldn't do yeah. that. 
you're right. Um, yes, the you know the, I think this is a good way to pivot into our discussion because of course it's time for our top twenty series of the year, our best TV of the year. Um, le- next week will be the listening, right? The smorgasbordy with all of our everything else that we could think of that we wanted to celebrate in this year of TV. But um, there will be a wave of shows in February as compared yep. to in this fall, the fall of twenty twenty. But there still was uh, quite a bit of TV. Uh, this year, like looking, I mean, there was still enough TV this year that there are lots of shows, and I'm like, yeah, I haven't, I haven't watched that. You know, there's just enough shows that I, so for me to feel like, you know, the imposter syndrome creeping in when people are like, oh, did you put together a list this year? Can I read it online? <laughs> did you get paid monies to be a critic around a list? And I'm like, yeah, I, I haven't, I haven't seen all the shows, which is ridiculous. It's a ridiculous right. thing that no one expects of anyone. Um, except for apparently a, a significant number of critics of ourselves. Um, but even in the year of COVID, no, I did not see anywhere near the list of shows. And the number one show that I do feel actively bad about not having seen, because I know it's a big show for you, and I've seen it on at least one other list as number one, is Hands of Izuken. Uh Yeah. Eric Thurman put it on his uh, on top of his ballot for TV Club. And it was on the New York Times best of list, too, as well. Yeah. Uh, James Ponowazic put it on there. Theirs isn't ranked or anything because it's three critics. But yeah, when I saw it in the Times, I was like, oh, shit. But that's all HBO Max. That's the power of HBO Max right there. It- well, and I think it's also just like the critics who saw it loved mm-hmm. it. <laughs> yeah. And those of us who haven't seen it are really we're, we're just behind. Sorry, guys. I really like Lodge 49. I'm sorry. I'm late on that. But it's okay. You've been enjoying season... I'm up to like... season five of The Great British Sewing Bee. No, no. I was like, you're on like... We're, we've been enjoying like season seven or eight of Limitless. Uh, um, Because yeah, that's still on. It's that's still on. on. It got it's still renewed. a thing. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like there is another universe, right? There's a there's a Earth B or or 28 or whatever, uh, where, where they're in season six or seven. Yeah. Depending yeah. on how they were impacted by COVID and everything. Yeah. So yeah. Oh, oh, well, another life. Now I, I noticed for myself when I, when I went to, to make my list, mm-hmm. I had a very clear number one. Mm-hmm. And then I had a very clear show that has to be towards the top of my list, which made mm-hmm. it number two. Mm-hmm. And then I had a bunch of other shows that I liked and then it was a giant pile. So I, I made it up to a 20. I, and mm-hmm. I have a couple that I did leave off. But it was rather interesting for me. That was like, what's the what's the best show of the year? I'm like, boom, this. This is the best show yeah. that I watched this year. Um, and then this one is also really amazing. It was very much in, like, right, belongs right up there. Um, and also, like, it also, you should seek out this. And then it was like, okay, what else? I'm like, there was stuff. It was good. Um, there was stuff that was fine, you know, like that's sort of where I'm at. And I don't know how much of that is just the sheer ridiculous number of like reality shows that I watched this year, which were absolutely delightful, would not trade my viewing experience of the year. They were exactly what I needed at the time, but they aren't shows. I'm not telling people, oh, you know, it's the best show of this year, The Repair Shop, even though it was the perfect show for me at the time or Jelly's Marble Runs, though, you know, go Rangers, go Rangers. It, it. Everyone, the number one show for Kate is Holy Moly. Obviously. Season two. Uh, yeah, the, the sequel, yes. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but, but yeah, when I actually, like, a, a lot of the shows that I really liked either were split in a way that was strange. So, mm-hmm. like, I'm like, is Evil going to be on my list? They only had three or four episodes this year. They were really good. 
but does that crack my list or is that like not an, you know, like there was a lot of stuff yeah. like that that really sure. impacted things. And there were a lot of the truncated seasons that I know made other people's lists that yeah. did not resonate for me the way that they would have if they finished their seasons. And maybe sure. this is a good time to shout out Gloria calderon Kellett, who of course was the showrunner and uh, producer, writer, co-creator of uh, One Day at a Time. Because uh, she put up the descriptions, like the episode descriptions for what the last like five episodes were going to be that they wrote but never got to film. And they were going to be so good. They're going to be so good. Wilson Cruz is going to come on as a hot young priest who is like, like, bring, like, maybe we're going to have some return to the church and bring up queer identity issues. And they were, Mm -hmm. they were going to do a road trip in, in Schneider's RV and Noel. What does Schneider's, Schneider's RV look like? It's a replica of the Alvarez apartment in RV form. And it was also going to have Lydia and Alex, uh, fighting over telenovelas. Like, it was going to be so good. These are all really exciting. Like, I want to see these episodes. And if these episodes had happened, I probably would have one day at a time, like, on my list in a way that mm-hmm. it didn't quite cut the- make the list for me because right. of COVID. Did you find similar, like, did you have a similar experience as you were looking back on the, the year um, with, like, trying to whittle down and crack your list? So I, I think that we should all take a page from Barack Obama. Who released his top of list this this week uh, today? In fact, and included Watchmen on it, <laughs> which came out yeah. last year. Yep. Um, which Barry, I don't know if you know this or not, but that doesn't count. That's not how it works. Uh, that's not how this works. But he also had like the Good Place on there as well. Um, and so, which I, I know you had on your uh, TV Club ballot. Um, I think spoilers. Spoilers. Yeah. yeah. We'll get there. Um. Yeah. But what I'm saying is, is like, if it's okay for the former president of the United States to do a show that aired last year, you can just do three episodes or episodes that were never filmed. It's fine. It excuses me having a show that aired in 2019 on my list until Monday. But a friend of mine, thanks, Danielle, pointed out that it did not actually air in 2020. And I just watched it in 2020. Uh, because I fell behind on it in 2019. <laughs> um, in my defense, that show wrapped up in December 2019, so it's not entirely my fault. Um, I do think that maybe that needs to be a category for Smorgasbordy. Yeah. Best non-2020 show you watched this year? Oh, gosh. Yeah, no. I feel like that's a good category. That's a good category. How have we not done that one before? Yeah, we should do that. Um, yeah. that's a, that, that may be something we include even on like the best of list for next year. Is, like yeah. The best not- 2021 show we watched yeah that's a good idea we should do that next year anyway um when i went through my spreadsheet um i ended up pulling down 26 shows from the spreadsheet and then i just cut six mm-hmm. and that was pretty easy um and then i went all right these were i had three shows one of those shows was the aforementioned 2019 show um that i was just like this is the top of the list that's great it's fine those are those are the three at the top now it's just two um, and then I just looked at the everything else and I went every year, it doesn't matter the rest of the order aside from like maybe three to five shows, depending on how that year shook out. So this year, everything's ranked, but <laughs> I broke everything listeners. I broke everything up into like little pods of categories, basically of the, the shows were all like this thing for me this year. 
Um, as a, so they're ranked, but they're just really in alphabetical. They're really just in pods, and they're order, organized in those pods alphabetically. Um, so they're they're ranked, but they're they're Air not quotes. ranked. They're not. Yes, ranked. that's okay. they're not ranked. That's so, perfectly fine. And some of the pods aren't like balanced. Like there's the very top of the list is only two shows. Um, the very bottom of the list is like six shows now. Um, so there's just a, it's just very unbalanced, but I feel really good about this categorization process that I went through when I figured out the list. And so I'm actually, I think happier with this list than I have been in like the past, just because I ended up breaking these up into pods. Mm-hmm. Um, which again is also just very covid um, because you know, pods. Indeed. <laughs> Well, yeah. why don't that, you know, I feel like that's as good a transition we're going to get. Why don't we then head into our list here? I'll just mention sure. quickly, not on my list, but I still really love them. Our She-Ra, The Princesses of Power, Season 5, One Day at a Time. And this one, I couldn't in good conscience put on my list because I have not watched the finale yet because I am a responsible podcast member. And that's The Flight Attendant. So if The Flight Attendant yeah. sticks the landing in its finale, maybe it could have cracked the top 20. Um, but I don't know, and I don't feel confident enough about that to put it there. Yeah, I kind of ran into that same issue with Flight Attendant, because um, I made this list, um, I think, a couple weeks ago, actually, um, around the time you were making your ballot. And um, I think I'd only seen like four episodes of Flight Attendant at that point, maybe five, um, which I was just like, this is a really good show. It's not something I can reasonably put on because I haven't seen all of it. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, consider it an honorary 21st, depending on how the finale shakes out. Um, yeah. because it's been, it's been a delightful treat mm-hmm. to have right at the end of the year. Yeah. And actually, you know, I just realized that I, I can't count. I have another one that just missed and that's Black Lightning because they did okay. have a really strong end of their season. So, mm-hmm. um, let's, you know, how about let's do 16. Well, how long is your bottom pod? My bottom pod is 15 through 20, so okay, six let's shows. Do, let's do 15 through 20, and we'll just kind of toss back and forth. We can say the numbers if we okay. want, but, like, mine are ranked, but not just barely. Yeah, Certainly this, in, the, in this r- region of my list, it's yeah. not that particular. So, um, and again, let's do the standard, we'll, we'll, listeners, we'll do the standard thing where if one of us has it on the show, uh, a show on the list, and another listener has it higher, we'll wait to talk about it till we get to the higher Okay. persons um so my number 20 is steven universe feature right mine's a little higher up so okay. it's not in we'll this pod but yeah yeah okay what's your first one in your your bottom pod okay so my bottom pod i should also say each thing is like kind of themed uh so my bottom pod is categorized as extremely Knowles jams but <laughs> they may not be yours Mm-hmm. Um, so my number 20 is Star Wars The Clone Wars and it's mostly for the final arc that deals with Ahsoka and Maul um, but the overall season I thought was relatively strong but yeah so my number 20 is Star Wars The Clone Wars which I'm sure is not on yours yeah no I still have not covered up the time for that one um, my number 19 is Adventure Time Distant Lands not on my list um, which okay. is an oversight on my part because um, that PMO episode is great well, yeah, that um, was the trouble I ran into is that there's only been two episodes. Two episodes. Does that count? Which is why I was like, I justified cutting it from my AV Club list. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, but it, the, two very strong episodes. So. Yeah, two very strong episodes. 
Do you have any? So other... I expect Evil to be on this list then somewhere. Yeah, no, Evil's also not on my list, but it probably should be because it was very good. Especially yeah. the you know expect it to show up next week, shall we say, yeah. and the smorgasbord because the, yeah. like there's some highly memorable um, performances and moments that will definitely be in the categories next week. Um, let me see what 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 stands out to you most about Adventures in Distant Lands because for me, I think it's. Just the joy of returning to these worlds, like to these characters, with some distance, and mm-hmm. and with a renewed sense of play, because the 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 universe of Adventure Time is so remarkable and so delightful um, that it, it's really one of the strongest elements of the show. But all of that lore brings a lot of baggage with it. So mm-hmm. being able to go off on standalone adventures with these characters uh, has been really delightful. And I like, I really appreciated the sense of play and discovery that we got with these two episodes. And I think that's a really good point uh, because it kind of separates itself a little bit, especially given that the BMO episode is actually just a really prolonged flashback, mm-hmm. um, which is really cleverly structured. And then that the Marceline and Bubblegum episode really is a flash forward, like an implied heavy flash forward from where we left the show. Um, So I think that there's that separation, both chronologically for us, but also within the universe makes a big difference in it renews that sense of wonder, like you were saying in really smart ways. Yeah. Um, So what's your next show? My number 19 is Miracle Workers Dark Ages, Mm. um, which is just so good. And that cast is Cracker Jack. And it was also a show that grew as a concept leaps and bounds from its first season. Um, So I was very delighted by it constantly. And my partner and I are planning like a reception type party and we have party party. Everybody's at the party from the (laughs) bard party mix as the title for that document (laughs) where we're planning. Well, clearly, you know, that's going to have to be in this next segment, uh, you know, as we listen to some of the music of the year before we head into, you know, for, for our break between segments, because yeah, Mm -hmm. that's definitely a banger. (laughs) Yeah. You like this one more than I did, but, uh, or you responded to it more than I did. I really, I enjoyed it, but like, I'm not remembering it as much at the end of the year kind of thing. Um, but there is just such a, such a delightful cast. I liked that they gave some of the the ensemble more a lot more to do this time around. And I mean, I really think Geraldine Viznawathan is just uh, a terrific presence. I mean, when you've got a show with Daniel Radcliffe on it, who I just delight in his his yeah. like even just like his um his hot ones was delightful, fabulous, so much fun. Um, and but he's not the one I think of first with this show, and right. neither yeah. is Steve Buscemi as mm-hmm. Geraldine Vismothen. Yeah, that, that that says a lot. So um, yeah, good 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 pick. Um, my next show is number sixteen, and that is Hentified. Uh, Hentified is also on my list, actually. So a little okay. further up. We'll yeah. we'll come back to it. What is your next one? Uh, so my number eighteen is. Um, the show that I slotted in after I realized one of my shows there last year. Um, and that's uh, Kakushigoto, Kakushigoto, um, which is an anime that aired this year that is about a manga artist who hides his profession from his young daughter because he, he doesn't draw like sexy uh, porn manga, but he does draw like perverted humor manga, and he doesn't want his daughter to know because she he's worried he'll she'll be too embarrassed. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he spends his entire life hiding this from her, 
And then when she becomes a teenager, she finds out, but there's a mystery around why she found out and what happened. Um, so the show flips back and forth between when she's like a wee elementary schooler and then her as a teenager uh, discovering the truth about her father. Um, it is both a really funny, darkly funny show, but also a really sad and touching show in equal measure. Um, it is something that I kind of just edged off when I made this list and then was kind of happy I was able to put it back on. But it's really great um, and very touching. Um, it's on, I imagine it's on Crunchyroll, but um, I think it's also on Funimation as well. It is definitely on Funimation, so you can stream it a couple of places. But it's really good. It's very good. Great. Uh, and it just occurs to me, I said Hentify is my 16. Hentify is my 18. Yeah, you're fine. It's all good. We're in the same pod. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> my next one I, I, is not on your list, I'm sure. And that's Schitt's Creek is my number 17. It is not. Um, yeah. <laughs> which, like, I remembered being rather disappointed in this season. Yeah. But then when I went back with looking at my list and reminded myself, like, what exactly was the season again? There was so much that really has um, lingered and just grown in my mind about these episodes i appreciated much more what annie murphy got to do in this season um and like there are certain visuals especially the costuming spoiler alert for next week that really stick in my mind whether it's the pope outfit or that beautiful dress for the 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 final dinner right like there's there's a lot of really lovely moments and delightful episodes that it's not the hardest hitting season of Shit's Creek. It's not my favorite season of Shit's Creek, but I can I appreciate with a little distance quite a bit more of what it wanted to do this season and what it did do with its with its final arc. Even, you know, when you're in it, especially with a final season, I think a first season or a final season, it's very easy to get caught up with what you're hoping it will be or like to have like oh, I hope the show keeps like, I, you know, I have you have high expectations coming off of a show's best season, in my opinion, at least. I, I feel mm-hmm. like the second last season is the best season of Shit's Creek. Um, that it's hard to appreciate all the things the show is doing well if it's not quite hitting those same high notes um, that it did just before. So this is one that definitely improved for me with some distance. And I look forward to when I do eventually go back and revisit it. Yeah, um, I was surprised when I was going through my spreadsheet that I actually had Schitt's Creek ranked kind of high, mm-hmm. um, considering that I kept going, this version of this season of the show is not good. Why did I end up putting this so high? Um, but then I couldn't like pinpoint anything exactly, apart from like performances are all very, very solid across the board. There's a reason, I mean, they won a bunch of Emmys. Um, but I was also just like, yeah, it just, I remember it being just weirdly poorly structured for a finale for a final season. Um, but then, you know, there's a lot of like good heart tugging stuff in that final season as well. So the motel and stuff with, mm-hmm. uh, with every, I mean, all the stuff that we get with Alexis and Ted and, and the premiere and, you know, Johnny getting back out there, going to, going to New York. There's a lot of good stuff there. Um, so not to mention, of course, everything at the wedding. But that's the conversation for another time and definitely next week. Uh, what is your number 17? My number 17 is not on your list. Um, mm-hmm. My number 17 is Giri Haji. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe next week. Yeah, we got some fight scenes that we'll talk about. Definitely. No, no, Kate, we have some dance scenes that we need to yes. talk about. Yes, you're right. Yes. <laughs> no, this made my list just because it's it was so weird. 
in a very conventional weird sense of that word um of being a prestige cop drama that then just steadily unraveled um before our eyes plus it also had really great animation openings uh recap sequences that were really great um but i just really appreciated how especially towards the end it was just kind of went fuck it and did a lot of weird stuff for a cop procedural including like a road trip with a bunch of side characters um which was really great and the really best entertaining part of the show in my yeah, opinion but it was awesome I think that- the rest of the show was just weird enough and compelling enough that I was really into it. But I also feel like this is a show that took a really big swing. And I wanted to kind of recognize that. Plus, I just also wanted to mention the dance sequence more than once. Because <laughs> why was that there? How did that happen? Why did that happen? I don't know, but I liked it. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. So, yeah. What, what was your um, what was your 16? My 16 is Legends of Tomorrow. Uh, yeah, mine's uh, further out. Yeah. Okay. More on that in a bit. What's your 15? Uh, DuckTales. Woohoo. Mm-hmm. Um, again, just especially this season as they really end up winding down um, this year. Um, they have really kind of embraced interrogating what the Disney afternoon meant. And what DuckTales means sort of as a concept show. And then just building on that to do this really kind of meta stuff. Um, from getting trapped in a TV show that is their show, but also not their show. Um, and all sorts of other really interesting things, I think. Um, it's not as like emotionally walloping as I think the show has been in the past. But intellectually and thematically i think it's just as rage plus that voice cast is just cracker jack and i'll only have one more chance to like really enjoy it next year so i wanted to make sure yeah that it was here um so yeah this wasn't on your list though if i remember yeah no it no. didn't quite crack the list though it made several of the cuts like as i yeah. massively compile everything that i watched and then like cut all the shows that i don't like and then cut all the shows that i only kind of like and then you know it made it quite a ways but did not make it to the final final cut but um yeah no terrific choice mm-hmm. um my number 15 was when i was very excited to find space for on my list in which i kept like like, should this really be on there? Are there other shows that I think were better and that I liked more? But I just didn't want to leave it off. I just kept being like, yeah, but I this should be on my list. And that is legendary. I did okay, not make great. space for we're, we're Here. I did not make space for plenty of other reality shows that I watched or competition shows. I did not make sh- space for Top Chef Masters, though I really enjoyed the season. Um, but I had to to make space for Legendary because the creativity and the talent on display, even in an off week, was so tremendous. And it was such a beautiful, joyful celebration of an art form that is in a dance form that is underrepresented um, in dance competitions that make it on TV. Whenever somebody shows up to So You Think You Can Dance for auditions and they do voguing, they never make it to... They don't even make it to, like... The, the the choreography round, right? They never make mm-hmm. it. They, they, oh, the shows, the judges are always very respectful. And they say, you're terrific at what you do, but we don't think you can do anything else. So we're not going to give you the opportunity, right? So I really appreciated um, what this 
program, the spotlight was able to celebrate and to highlight. Um, there are some issues with the show, specifically around its judging, but mm-hmm. when everything hits, it hits in a really terrific way. And I had like it's just one of the shows that has really stuck with me. So. I'm very excited to have Legendary on my list. And hopefully I'm not the only one <laughs> who's excited for season two um, or excited for the show to come back. I I think it was renewed. I don't. I say that. I don't actually I think, remember. I think so. I think it was. Um, yeah. Let's look real quick because um, I'm pretty sure it was renewed. Yeah, and I think that's a good choice. I, I, don't th- I didn't finish it, but when I watched it, I was like kind of consistently impressed by everything that they did even if the show for me just never really hit i think largely because of format issues yeah um but it was always really cool even if sometimes i also went you all decided to do the same thing with the challenge um with like circus berserkus it was all scary clowns and it's like Mm -hmm. folks let's do something different please and thank you um but no they were renewed for a second season in july okay Good. Yeah, I'm glad I didn't make that up. Um, so yes, so Legendary is my number 15. Now, what is the final show for you in your bottom pot? Right. Uh, so that's Briar Patch. Ah, it's higher on my list. Great. Yeah. No, it ended up here because I, Briar Patch is a tough sell to some people. <laughs> oh, it is. It is not. It is distinctly not for everyone. So yeah. So yeah. Mm-hmm. So we'll, we'll we'll get to that. More on that in a bit. So so now let's take a break, listen to some music, listen to a little party, party, party all the time, and uh, come right back for the second part. We'll be right back after this. Bard, play party mix. Party, 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 everybody's at the party. We're all at the party, party, party. Skip. A bear has a long, long tail. He lives in a... Skip. Party, 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 ev- Stop.
I hope, hope you all enjoyed our little dance break there, a uh, little, little music break. Of course, you know, as we always do here at the Televerse, we're using original music uh, featured in the year's TV as our interstitial music. Um, and it, yeah, it's always fun to revisit some of the musical moments of the year. Um, so our, next we're going to have uh, the the next pod, which, uh, Noel, if you will lead off, what is what is the, the category here for your next right. pod? So my next pod was Solid Good Stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, these were, ended up being three shows that I thought were really good, um, but really didn't kind of fit anywhere else, but they were also like all three of them. Well, two of them were technically new shows. The other one is a new title for an old show. So my number 14 is Steven Universe Future. So let's talk uh, about Steven Universe let's Future. Let's talk about Steven Universe Future. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I... When I went back to like go be like, all right, Steven Universe Future, right, right. Um, and then I went, wait, half the show aired in 2019. Oh no, oh no, oh no, wait, no, but all the really good stuff aired in 2020. Yes, <laughs> was how I approached Steven Universe Future. Um, the back half of Steven Universe Future is just gutting, mm-hmm. it guts. Um, but it's also, I feel like, just such a beautiful encapsulation of having to focus on yourself and care for yourself and how really difficult that can be. And then you build that into Steven's whole existence Mm -hmm. and then layer in fun reveals about his family. Like the fact that Greg, the had grand Greg, his parents are still alive and Steven's never met them. Mm -hmm. Oh, Um, there was just a lot of really, really good stuff in the last half of Steven universe future. And it is also probably the last time we'll ever get to say anything about Steven Universe. Um, so, but I was really glad that we were able to get this last little bit and a bit that felt really distinct from the show that preceded it. And, but still felt of a piece of it and still felt like it carried over the things that were raised in the movie as well from last year. So I, it was just really, really good. And I very much enjoyed it, even while it just made me upset. Um, So tell me a little bit about your experience with Steven Universe Future this year. Well, I still haven't quite forgiven Rebecca Sugar and Ivine Sarashu for the song we got from that uh, this year. And like taking such a beloved part of the show and a, a part of the show that's always been so pure and uh impactful and really um like a safe haven emotionally Mm -hmm. and using it for manipulation and badness which is perfectly appropriate for where steven is in that episode for what he's dealing with and for you know what he would do like it's completely in character like there's something it's just, it's just like but no no the songs have been tarnished why would you do this so it's it, it speaks to how strongly i connect with the show and with like you know the, the entire steven universe you know property you know both shows together and the characters certainly that it is still upsetting to me viscerally <laughs> um, yeah. and it's such a catchy like I, someone i know who's a voice teacher had a student want to l- learn it who knows that i like steven universe and she's like have you heard of this song do you know where i can get the music for it and i was like type 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 here you go um there is the music you can you know people have transcribed it i'm sure if it is able 
if it is available to be legally purchased, they should do that. But if not, other the fans are on it. Um, yeah. It's like, but also, do they realize that, like how messed up this song is? Because it's it's really messed up. But you don't know that because you don't watch the show, um, and we don't have to get into all that right now. Anyways, um, the 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 end of Steven Universe feature is definitely quite a bit stronger than the start. I think it starts strong, and then it. Again, it's a similar thing to what I was saying about Schitt's Creek, where when you don't know where it's headed as you watch it, it's easy for the the beginning of Steven Universe feature, which of course aired last year, to feel anticlimactic and to feel meandering and to be unsatisfying. Um, I, I'm very curious how I would respond to it all now with some distance mm-hmm. and after having seen where they're heading and what right. they intend. Um, I have a feeling that the beginning of the season, which we were both kind of cool on, uh, would grow in my estimation with that context. But, um, I, th- you know, while I still don't love the finale, I, I yeah. can see what they were doing there. I appreciate it. I respect that choice. Um, for me, it's all about those last few episodes. And, uh, like... Never have I wanted a Stephen Bob more. <laughs> that was, like, can we please get more time with all of this? Uh, this is, can this just, I know you had to build to this in order to have it have any impact, but then I, I don't want to skip ahead of all the messy fallout and working, doing the work. I want to see the doing the work and yeah. we never will. Um, so it, it's a beautiful show. It's, it has very interesting things to say. I really appreciate that Cartoon Network, um, got behind the show and brought it back to, so that Rebecca Sugar, could explore some of these issues that are so often alighted in superhero narratives and especially in children hero narratives. Um, and hopefully it will be very meaningful and very helpful to the kids who grew up on Steven Universe, um, you know, uh, who might need a different show, might need a Steven at a different point in his life when they are at a different point in their lives. Um, so yeah, I, I, I'm glad it's on your list. I'm very glad it's on my list, and hopefully people appreciated it and remember it here at the end of the year. Yeah, hopefully. Um, though I haven't seen it on a lot of lists. Um, it's showing up like in the bottom like chunk yeah. of some of the lists that I'm seeing, which is like where it's on mine and ours as well. Yeah. So. Yeah, fair enough. Um, my number fourteen is a show that has delighted me without fail. Uh, even if I would have trouble picking out a best sketch or a best moment, mm-hmm. and that is the Amber Ruffin show. This is not on my list, but I mm. am very glad it is on your list. So tell me a little bit more about the Amber Ruffin show making the list, especially considering it's only aired like six, seven episodes so far. But it's coming back next year. Very excited for that. It's coming back next year, and they've got a Christmas episode that we get this week. Ooh. Oh, that's very exciting. I'm very much looking forward to that. Yeah, yeah I'm very excited about a Christmas episode from them. <laughs> I just will always enjoy spending more time with Amber Ruffin and uh, with the writing team they've put together here, led by Jenny Hagel. Um, I think uh, Ruffin and Tarek Davis are terrific, uh, have terrific chemistry and, and uh, you know timing and work really well together um, as the you know at the front of the show, but. It's just the, it's sort of like with Wilmore, um, it's the perspective and the energy that I most appreciate. It's, you know, I always appreciate seeing comedians um, that I, and writers that I really respect getting a platform. And I think that they have nailed what uh, makes Ruffin 
distinct, at least part of what makes her distinct and uh, helps her stand out amongst all the various late night, you know, presences that we have out there right now. Um, it's, it's a really good match of star persona, comedic energy and sensibilities and content. And, uh, yeah, just it, the, her ability. She's a really talented performer, um, which is why she was my pick for uh, when the AV Club was like, who are your best performances of the year? I was like, uh, well, these ones that everybody else is going to think of, but also Amber Ruffin, because her ability to switch back and forth between ridiculous, absolutely ridiculous comedy bits, like absurd, like we're going to make about, you got the Koo Poo Blues or whatever. <laughs> To, like, a heartfelt, uh, deadly, uh, serious and earnest monologue about racism and about the lived experience of, you know, of her lived experience as a black woman in this country. Um, and then back into pure, delightful, sparkle and glitter and joy is incredibly challenging. And not many people can do it. And she makes it look easy. Um, and, yeah, there's a, there's a... A marking in classical violin and other instruments as well, uh, which is leggero, which means le- leisurely. And it's something that comes up every now and again. And my when it comes up, my students, you know, I'll quiz them. Do you know what this means? Right. You should have done your research, all this stuff. Um, and some of them remember it and many of them don't. And they go like, what? It's like leisurely. You need to make it look easy, which is only ever put in sections that are not easy. <laughs> so there's a lot of effort that goes into making something seem effortless. And uh, it's been, you know, while it's not been a bust out of the premiere, like right straight out of the box hit, as far as, you know, there's been some sketches that work better and worse than others um, for the Amber Ruffin show. Uh, I have enjoyed every minute I have spent, even when things don't work, <laughs> I'm still enjoying myself with the show. And so I hope that, you know, it's over on Peacock. Nobody watches Peacock. Um, I'm hoping that it's finding an audience. Uh, clearly, Peacock's going to give it a little bit more time uh, next next year because um, I would I would like this show to be around for longer than many of the other non-network uh, late night shows that we really appreciate, which seem to last maybe a year, maybe a couple, and then get axed unceremoniously. So fingers crossed. I, I was delighted. I really enjoyed it. Uh, and I look forward to the Christmas episode now. Yeah, I'm, I'm, everything you just said is really accurate. There's just a lot of joy to the show, um, even when it's mm-hmm. angry, which I really like. Um uh, well, with its eyes wide open, right? It's not. It's in the. It's optimistic and joyful, despite right. the situation, rather than um, like or like in, engaging with the situation that so many people are in, rather than pretending that there's no such right. thing as COVID, like so many shows are trying to do. Yeah, and I think that's a really good point. Um, but also, like, it weaponizes for laughs that anger. So I think about like, be angry like it's 1993. Um, and an <laughs> entire riff about Angela Bassett being robbed at the Oscars, um, which is just solid, solid material. Um, and then also making fun of the piano, which is a great movie. Um, but also, it was very funny. <laughs> Not the piano, the bit was <laughs> very, very <make> funnable. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yes. Um, what is your uh, next show here? My number 13 is Mrs. America. That is a slightly higher on my list. We'll talk about it in a little bit. All right. Um, my next, number 13 is Infinity Train. Much higher on my list. Um, okay. So That's we'll what get I thought. There. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, then, what is your next pod? 
So, no, I still have my number 12. You have your number... Oh, it's to number 12. I apologize. Yeah, yes. no, it's okay. So my number 12 is Hentified. So let's talk about Hentified. Oh, so and good. this sleeper hit of a show that no one else seemed to watch. <laughs> I saw it on a couple lists, but well, yeah, and then good. I felt bad because it was not on my AB Club list because it didn't quite crack my, my top 15. But yeah, that was one where I, I was going back and like, which shows did I watch this year where I I started out by looking through all of our old show notes um, and writing down every show that we talked about in any given week in like in my little Excel spreadsheet. But I had forgotten that I needed to also go back and check what was our spotlight show of each episode because we caught up with it later. And so then after I had done all this, and I was like, oh, this list seems a little thin. I'm going to have trouble coming up with the show and then and then i saw someone talking about it. it's like oh that should be on my list um how could i possibly overlook it or forget it um i thought that the performances were all terrific the setting was the one i, I really connected to I, you know that there are not enough working class families there are not enough like there are not enough narratives set in small businesses or in family-owned businesses like a restaurant that actually are interested in that part of it. I feel like all mm-hmm. the shows I see set in restaurants are about hotshot chefs who are doing coke and making out with people in the walk-in freezer and living dangerously and trying to be sexy and not about uh, how are you going to manage a, for example, a reading club with your local patrons, you know, like not about the nuts and bolts of keeping a family-owned small business alive. I mean, that just becomes more potent as we head into, you know, an uncertain financial future. I saw some article today about how economists didn't anticipate so little holiday spending. It's like, well, nobody has money. So, yeah. But, um, yeah, it, it, it's a show full of heart. It's a whole show full of um, really strong performances. A lot it has a lot to say about art and creativity and identity and... Um, and what we sacrifice when we realize we're sacrificing or when we don't realize we're sacrificing um, and whether and when it's worth it and when it's not. Uh, so it's a, it's absolutely lovely show that hopefully if people missed it, they'll hear us talking about it here and be like, yeah, I meant to check that out because it's terrific. Yeah, that was one of the reasons I made sure it was on my list is that I wanted to do some advocacy for it because it's really great, as you and I discussed whenever we got around to discussing this after the pandemic. Um, because these episodes originally aired in, originally dropped in February, at the end of February of this year on Netflix, we should note. Mm-hmm. And we didn't get around to it for a couple of, at least a until, couple months, yeah. Yeah, at least until April or May, I think. Um, but I was really glad that we did because it's really good for all the reasons you just enumerated. And it really also creates a really great space for like generational conflict in terms of how do you navigate shift, how identity shifts as a result of generational change. Um, But also the real fun of, wait, how do we stage a counter protest to this other protest and exploit it on social media to raise our profile and all this sort of weird, weird stuff in terms of what you wouldn't expect from a half hour sitcom like this. And then they just pull it off really well. Um, which speaks to the fact that they had a everyone had a really clear conception of this show. They hired really great directors, including America Ferrera, to come in and do a couple of episodes. Um, and I think that there's just a lot of soul in this show, but also just it's deeply, deeply thoughtful about issues of intersectional 
intersectionality um, and, like I said before, generational conflicts. Um, so it just ended up being this really well-knit show that I'm excited to see whenever we get and it, those eight next episodes for season two that we've been promised. <laughs> um, so hopefully we get that soon um, when yeah. it's safe for them to shoot. <laughs> yes, because that's the most important thing. And let's yeah. not, let's not lionize any celebrities who are throwing tantrums um, when they could single-handedly ensure that they were risking no lives by not filming a blockbuster during a pandemic. But uh, that's a rant for another time. Um, yes, I am very much looking forward to season two. And I also look forward to Because this is one that normally, if I was visiting with family during the holidays and we were like looking for a show to watch as we pass out after too much Christmas dinner or something, it would be a great one to put on. It, you know, there's enough stuff for like different age groups, like you mentioned, like for different um, interests and personality types, this would be one that I would, I look forward to being able to share with other people and revisit as I do. Um, And it's also one that I think really captures some of the, what it feels like, you know, to be an artist, uh, artistic person or creative person um, and (laughs) exist with people who get it and with people who don't. Um, So yeah, it's a, it's a lovely show. Everybody go seek it out and watch it if you have not already. Um, My number 12 is Mrs. America. So let's talk about it. Yeah. Um, Why don't you go ahead and go first? Because I think you're going to have more to say about this than I will. Mm -hmm. Um, So yeah. This one is, it's just, it's one that I, as I look back on it, I think it actually has lowered over Mm -hmm. time for me. Yeah. Not out of any fault of its own. But just because it's so awards baity, <laughs> yeah, that that yeah. it's very easy to take for granted all the things it's doing really well. Yes, um, there's a lot of really terrific performances. Uh, I mean, again, it's going to be up there with costuming and hair, just just for the Steinem of it all. Because mm-hmm. like they, you know, hats off. You know, they they did a really terrific job with all of the aesthetics. But at its core, it is about issues that have. Uh, rarely felt more re- relevant and um, lessons that in America, uh, let's just say people, but especially white women can't seem to learn or yeah. ch- are willfully choosing not to learn over and over again. Um, and so, yeah, the, the, the um, there's impeccable performance work throughout the cast. They're all terrific. They're, and they're all, really invested in what they're doing and and doing a terrific job with it. There's some really good scripting and some really impactful moments and really creative choices. But for me, the reason it's on my list is because it's one, it's one that I don't connect to as emotionally and as viscerally as several of the other shows that are even around this place on my list. Mm -hmm. Um, But I just look back and think, Oh yeah, that's really good. Yeah. Yeah. They were all really good. So I don't know how much specific I have to say beyond it's really good. I, you know, this time period of American history should be more explored and more, like, it's hard for, like, all these conversations on Schlafly and the John Birch Society to feel more resonant than they do in our current situation and with what um, various political voices ha- and have led our institutions to become over time. Um, but that's pretty, for me, that, that's more cold. That's not as... 
impactful and personal. And when I think about that aspect of it, I think of Blanchett's performance. I think of Burns' performance. I think of, I think of Uzoaduba's performance. I think of just that whole, in the Nisi Nash, like there's all of these little, uh, like various sizes of roles, but all these really impactful moments, like Melanie Linsky and just like her rising to power within the ranks, you know, like it's, it's wonderful to watch people this good get to do something they're excited about yeah. and that they do so well. Yeah. And that's the kind of the big reason it's on my list is that it's just a big actor showcase and I love a good actor showcase. Mm-hmm. Um, I agree with you that this show doesn't really hit emotionally in a lot of spots. And I can kind of safely say that it is really the only show on this list that didn't really hit an emotional response in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Um, aside from Houston, which I know is a divisive episode on the podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, but overall, it just never like quite hit. But I could recognize the care of the craft and everything that was in it. And it was hard not to go, this needs to be here. Um, when I was making the list of like, this is not a show that I deeply, deeply responded to, but it was a show that I really, really, really appreciated um, and could really admire. And for the same reasons that you just said, uh, explores however fictionalized a piece of American history and a part of American history that stretched decades, really, because of how the ERA functioned and how the Equal Rights Amendment stretched out for so long. and just watching that happen and then the show very purposefully drawing parallels to 20, um, 2018, 2019, really specifically, um, I think works really, really beautifully. So I think that there's a lot of care and craft, but cold is like, I think, an accurate term for how the show occasionally left me, which is fine. Like some shows are going to do that. And that's that's good. That's OK, because it helps us refine things for ourselves. Um, but at the same time, I also just really enjoyed watching Phyllis not get anything. Yeah. Like there was, there was a degree of schadenfreude to that, but also it was tempered by the fact of knowing that her influence and her trailblazingness continues mm-hmm. to a degree unabated even after her death. Yep. While the while the frame closes in on her, mm-hmm. it's just as you're enjoying that as a viewer, depending on your political views, mm-hmm. um, you can't really enjoy it all that long. <laughs> you remember the last thing, one of the last things she did was endorse Trump. Yep. Before uh, before she died, so yep. Who's got who had the last laugh on that? <sighs> Let's head into our next pod. Um, yeah. With a bit more of an inspirational choice for me, which okay. is what the Constitution means to me. Not on my list but I want to hear about it. Which is delightful and mm-hmm. uh, quite a antidote <laughs> to the the um, sort of where we leave, you know, some, mm-hmm. of the, some of where we leave, or at least where Mrs. America left me specifically, not necessarily yeah. where that story ends. Um, and I thought this was really uh, creative and fun. It lived up to hype that I had been, tremendous hype I had been hearing for a while because I was familiar with the play, you know, tangentially. Long before um, they they put this out on Amazon Prime, um, watching such a passionate and uh, again aware and uh, not willfully ignorant discussion of 
or, or I guess not um, sugar-coated, discussion of the Constitution feels very novel to me. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like most of the discussions you hear about the Constitution treat it as a rever- like with great reverence as this revered document um, that as a woman, I have always felt a disconnect with because I didn't count as a person to the, to the, to the framers, you know, cause I did, I, I counted as much more of a person than anyone who wasn't white, of course. Um, but I certainly didn't get to have a voice or a vote or an opinion on all of these things that were so important to the founders. Um, and so, that that in, inevitably leads to some leads to some distance, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Between this supposedly great empowering document, it's like yeah, okay, yes, but also, how do you how do you connect these? Look at these these great thoughts of these great men at this time, and marry that to, but also they thought you should just go sit in a room and, you know, work all hard your, your entire life to either have or support children or, or the, your family or whatever, and just be very quiet and let us people who know better make all the decisions for you. Thank you very much. Um, trying, trying to connect this to has never worked all that well for me. And so seeing that contradiction explored, um, and so powerfully in this and, it, you know, embrace the, the document embraced for everything it is, um, despite its shortcomings, rather, or, you know, or like acknowledging and, and, and like engaging with and wrangling with those shortcomings rather than pretending they don't exist or hand waving them away, which is so often what I see and hear um, when someone brings up the, okay, but also what about indigenous people? Also, what about black people? What about slaves? All of this stuff that, like, really is a big old hole in your argument that the the founding fathers were these great beatific kind of you know godly so they're they're so um genius and enlightened men they were just greedy assholes i mean let's be very clear they were just greedy assholes it, it was it was a really terrific <laughs> well meaning greedy assholes but and also very funny and very um very entertaining and very personal um uh, performance and the mm-hmm. craft of it all is, of course, something I also really appreciated. So that's why it is on my list. Um, and it's another one, you know, it's like, it's like 90 minutes, right? Something yeah. like that. Yeah. It's, it's, a, that's an easy one. You can knock that out in mm-hmm. an afternoon with, you know, with some, whoever's in your pod, whoever's in your bunker. It's another bit of good viewing, maybe on a, on a January 21st or something. <laughs> uh, yeah. And where can people watch that? You can watch it on Amazon Prime. Um, no, this is a really good choice, and I really liked this as well, and it provides a really solid illumination about that document and the ways in which that document is deeply flawed, but also the ways in which that document provides a way for those flaws to be adjusted for, mm-hmm. that we just kind of don't think about too much anymore. You don't engage with because of yeah. all of the things that go around, like... Because of the, the the way that we have, as a country, um, shifted our engage our engagement with responsibility around our governance mm-hmm. and our legislature, yep. exactly. and we could both go a lot longer on that, but we're not gonna because that's not why we're here. Yeah. Um. So conversation for another time. What is your number eleven? Oh, and what is your pod? What is this pod? 
So my numbers uh, seven through eleven um, are all returning shows in some way, shape, or form, and the the pod is these are good and consistent, and you know this already. Um, <laughs> so these are all like shows that are going to be things that you you already know are good. We already love them, but they were good again. So <laughs> my number eleven is Superstore. Um, more on it in a moment. More on it in a moment. So tell me about your number ten. My number 10 is Kim's Convenience. Which is not on my list, which is bonkers, but I did not like this season as much as you did. Yeah, I liked so, this season more than you did. Yeah. And and it has its issues. Like, um, certainly our, our workplace romance has its its issues. Um, so funny, too. <laughs> but it's also very funny. And, what, I mean, as I perused the, um, the episode list, I just kept be reminded of things that really stood out to me. I loved everything we got with kimchi, everything with the, I mean, not huge on the end of the season, but everything we got with like the photography, like the, the buying of the print. And, and like, there was a lot of really great stuff here. Um, I, it's one of my favorite uh, TV families Mm -hmm. and dynamics. I look forward to, the eventual, I say that it's gotta, it's gotta be an eventual breakthrough of Shang Chi and the Five Rings, Ten Rings, Ten Rings. Something, yeah. Yes, thank you. Um, and making Simi Liu a, a huge star, a glo- you know, global uh, uh, s- star, such that maybe Netflix will, you know, highlight the fact that they have his. You, did you know he's in a sitcom? He's in a sitcom, and he's really good. He's really fun. You Very should. Good. Check it out, right, guys? Um, I don't have... I think this fits in very nicely with yeah. your category for this mm-hmm. pod, so I won't say much more, but I really enjoyed the season, despite everything with with the, the Jared stuff, romance stuff, but... Um, yeah, yeah. And that says a lot. This says a lot, because that really held me back. Um, but everything with, um, like, the witch, <laughs> with, with Alma and the, and the witch, um, the, um, the... the, the dancing and and the the i mean it's, there was a lot to really enjoy um this season and it was it was another bright spot of um bright spot of my quarantine viewing yeah. and you know and when it was a bit, when it was put up on on Netflix so we could enjoy it after Canada <laughs> um i i was very very excited and looking forward to whatever comes next yeah, me too. Um, I do really love this show. Um, it's just bonkers to me that it made your list this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, since I was the one that was just like, Kate, you need to watch this. It's yeah. real good. Well, you're right. Yeah. Well, and also, you know, like you mentioned advocacy for yeah. some of these other shows. And that's another one for me with this, mm-hmm. where I was like, if I put this on my list, maybe somebody um, will watch it. Right. Will watch it. Who who has maybe heard of it or hasn't even heard of it will like check it out and be like, "What? I've heard of all these other shows. What's this one?" Yeah. Um. So you know that's part of why it is where it is as well. I'm not worried people haven't heard of Mrs. America. <laughs> Super fair. Um. I'm not worried that people haven't heard of my number ten show, which is Last Week Tonight with John Oliver. <laughs> okay. Um. I think that one of the reasons why I put it on here is because it gave us Jelly's Marble Run. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Um, but also, for me, it was great to be able to tune in, not every week, because they took breaks, and I was glad that they took breaks. Um, but to like get a different kind of outrage about everything that was happening this year. And breaking that down. I do miss them going into the minutia of random shit. Uh, because it's the show at its best. 
Um, but I found something really kind of affirming about it this year. Um, and so I just wanted it on my list. And I think that, yeah, I just ended up looking forward to it every week when it was available. Um, yeah, I don't have much more to say except fuck Dan Barry. Just fuck it. <laughs> but I wish Adam Driver would also step on me. Well, there you go. Yeah. Uh, well, let's talk about my number nine then, which is Superstore. And yes, yes it's very let's good. Do it. It's so good. It's it's very good. Even when it's bad, it's very yes. good. Like when they're trying to explain all this stuff with Jonah and Amy, yeah. it's still very good. Yeah. No, that, that stuff's real bad. No, for me, it made the list in part because of the COVID stuff that's kicked mm-hmm. off this season, which has been really good and really sharp. That premiere episode is just a weird horrible time capsule but watching the show respond to technology labor relations the union stuff all of it's really great that they did this year and it became one of the best sort of explorations you talk about working class and this show really kind of taps into that without going into their personal lives which i find really kind of compelling that while we get hits hints of plenty of it um we also get plenty of sense of everyone needs this job to survive. They can't not have this job. Um, and some of them want out of this job. <laughs> <laughs> but all of that builds and creates really good anxieties around retail, around customer service, around technology and corporate conglomeration and all this sort of really interesting stuff. Plus that goddamn robot. Um <laughs> So Superstore was just really sharp this year, and I was really glad to have it. And I'm going to be very sad not to have it anymore at the end of at the end of this coming at the end of this season. Uh, so that's why it was on my list. Why was it on your list this year? Because it's really funny. Yeah, <laughs> we got a lot of really good stuff this mm-hmm. season. We got the wedding. We got um, we Carol. got the. the- <laughs> We got the the hunt for the next uh, new best friend. We got there. There was a lot of really good, really funny stuff. The, I think the end of the previous season was much more emotionally impactful. Mm-hmm. Um, but like the the this calendar year of the show was was really consistent and strong. Yeah. And yeah, it's just one of the funniest shows I watched this year. It is not yeah. the funniest show that I watch, but it's one of them. Uh, and so that's why it's on my list. What's no. your number nine? Uh, my number nine, I'm like 98% positive is not in your list. And that's the good fight. <laughs> yeah, it is not on my list because of, again, it was, that was one of those shows that really got knocked down because of COVID sure. because where they looked like they were gearing up to go is someplace I was very interested in. Mm-hmm. Um, but the messier parts of the season kept it like without resolution, without like getting to see where they were headed. Yeah. Really hindered it for me but it didn't for you and for plenty of other people it's on plenty of other lists yeah. it's nice and high so w- what about the season really spoke to you yeah well i don't disagree with anything you just said everything with hugh dancy is a mess and i don't know what's going on with that part of the show even though i enjoy hugh dancy and audrey mcdonald having scenes together his character makes no sense and there's nothing to explain why he's there um ditto as much as i enjoy john larroquette playing john larroquette why is this here? But also the fact of the matter is, is that this show continues to tap into the weird violence of living in the current age of everything. 
um, that I'm now like, wait, what does this show look like next year? <laughs> um, because it has really defined itself by the results of the 20, um, 2016 election. Um, so I'm really curious about what it's going to look like. But this season, it was still really weird. It was still really funny. I mean, just for the Epstein episode alone, Kate, the Epstein episode alone. <laughs> yep. Was just it's so, so weird good and so weird. And yep. I'm kind of glad it was the last episode they got to air because if you're going to get a last episode to air, I want it to end on a dick joke. <laughs> sure. Sure. Fair enough. Um, but no, I really, I still really like the show. I really could not wait to watch it. Even if, like you said, all the stuff that they were building to, I think was going to be really, really interesting. But we're we're not going to get it. Um, justice for Boatman. Just so much justice for Boatman. I was so glad he got material, and then it was just like, yeah, sorry, there's a pandemic now, Michael. Oh. <laughs> but it was still really good stuff, and I really liked the fact that he was Boatman and um, Baranski were going to like get a lot of work together because they consistently from the good wife really worked crackled together and i was really excited to see what else was going to keep happening there but still it's still such a good show and i was really glad to have it right when we i really needed it at the beginning of all this (laughs) um so i was really glad to get it uh so that's why it was my number nine um yeah well my number eight is one that uh i was surprised Mm -hmm. to see it consistently moving up my list okay um and it was one that i would not have i would have not been surprised it was on my list at the end of the year when it was airing but i would have expected it to be in like the late teens Mm -hmm. and instead here it is at number eight and that is briar patch all right yeah let's do this so why don't you why don't you go first? So Briar Patch was on your list as well. Yeah. Uh, did you anticipate? Were you surprised that it ended up in your top twenty? I was a little surprised to be honest with you, but uh, it was in the upper tier. I like listeners in case you don't, you don't remember. My spreadsheet is categorized by upper tier, upper middle tier, middle tier, and low tier. Um, and Briar Patch was upper tier in that category, and because my list is also organized alphabetically initially. It came up immediately, and I just went, right, Briar Patch, okay. And then when I had to cut six shows, I just went, I cannot cut Briar Patch. I refuse to cut Briar Patch. Because the show's just so bonkers, mm-hmm. but so delightful, and so very much on my wavelength. Um, and I think, like, the best way to kind of contrast it, given our conversation, is that this is also a show that is an actor showcase through and through. But it is one that I enjoyed watching so much more than Mrs. America. <laughs> um, because it had all the neo-noir nonsense, which is just so good and right up my alley. So I was I just could not not have Briar Patch on my list. Even though it's ranked lower. It's only ranked lower because I categorized it in a thing that I don't know how to sell this to people because it's a weird noir show that takes place in a Texas town. Where a bunch of weird stuff happens. With uh with the tigers. With the and tigers and the zoo, and it's not a metaphor for anything. Yes. Don't worry no. about it. It is yep. a metaphor. It's really good. And I can't 
talk about it in really big specifics because it just spoilers. boils down to the fact that A, spoilers, but B, I'm just going to start gushing about Rosario Dawson and Alan Cumming and a bunch of other actors that were just at the top of their game in this show, including, um, oh goodness, what's her name? The Sheriff. Oh, uh, Kim Dickens. Kim Dickens, yes, who unceremoniously axed from Fear the Walking Dead when she didn't want to be. And then she went and did this. I'm just like, Kim, you made the correct choice. I know this isn't as financially stable as a Walking Dead show. However, creatively, Look this had to be much you. more rewarding. Ooh, so juicy. Yeah. Um, yeah, it, it definitely is an actor showcase. Uh, you know, I have, I have my issues with Rosario Dawson Same. and allegations of violence against uh, trans people. Um, I will... That is, I hold that in my brain, along with she's also a very talented actor, and the one does not, you, the, being a talented actor does not excuse anything else. It, it's You can't talk about Briar Patch without talking about the fact that she's really good in it. And if people yeah. don't want to watch the show because of other baggage with her, I completely understand and support yeah. that, and that's, Makes I get sense. it. I totally get it. Um, I, Briar Patch, I'm just going to talk about the show, and uh, it is this is one that for me, while it's not, it's got its issues, I mm-hmm. thought it really stuck the landing and mm-hmm. it, it, it really improved for me as a viewing experience as it went. It hit, the pacing I thought towards the end was really strong. And like you said, it just, it is bonkers. It is just like, and now we're going to have the Lost in the Desert episode. And now we're going to be seeing things, or are we? And they they paced out some of the re- reveals and twists and connections um, just right. Uh, same, same things for the, the finale. Not because they were twists, but they, they were things that the characters already knew that there wasn't a reason for them to be talking about. And so, therefore, as audience members, we didn't necessarily know. But then as we saw them interact, it became abundantly clear part of what was going on. And everything just kind of clicked a little cl- clearer into focus. Um, and that that kind of craft makes... You know, it's essential in a thriller. It's essential in a noir, and I and I can I appreciate like just the craft of every um, element of of the show, from the visual style to the costuming and those fabulous suits, <laughs> to to just like the editing and the music and and everything all came together. Now it again, it's baggy. It's got issues, yeah. um, but it's a hell of a lot of fun, and that. that that was high priority for me Mm -hmm. (laughs) this year as I was reflecting back on these shows and like on which which ones were going to be on my list and which ones were not and um yeah the the combination of style and substance when it worked in this show it worked really really well um and it's one that I don't I don't know that I will revisit it but it's one that I can very safely and confidently recommend to fans of noir and uh and i can and i anticipate people who i know liking who who like noir asking for recommendations so that i can recommend this one and then i can excitedly wait to hear back from them yes because <laughs> i because because i think that they will enjoy it and i can't wait to get the is there a lion what is happening? Is Texas. there an alligator in that hotel? Yes, yes there is. Yes, yes there is. Yes no, this is was an alligator there was an alligator. Remember. There was an alligator. Yeah. But yeah. Yes. I think it was a lion in the hotel. Is it a lion? Is it either a lion or a tiger? Something. 
Yeah, that was hungry. But it wasn't a symbol. It wasn't a symbol. Don't it worry. It wasn't a metaphor. No. <laughs> um, any final thoughts on Briar Patch? And if not, what is your number eight? My number eight is uh, DC's Legends of Tomorrow. Okay, so you have this way higher than me. Sort of. I mean, yeah. But, Categories. I mean, again, yes. yeah, roughly. Uh, so, yeah. So I really feel like if it needed to be on a list, if only because all the episode titles this year were really, really good. Spot on. <laughs> Yeah, just like were... the best episode titles. Yeah. Um, like, I mean, is anything more on this top? next week? <laughs> Romeo v Juliet, Dawn of Justness, nothing <laughs> except Zari not Zari, which is an episode title my partner suggested last year and then willed it into existence. Um, so I I do agree that the season is kind of messy. Um, it doesn't hang together as well as previous seasons have. Um, but I also think that the show responded to Crisis on Infinite Earths, the best of any of the Arrowverse shows, and found ways to incorporate those things into its season better than the other shows did. Um, especially everything with, um, oh goodness, with Sarah, um, especially in those first two episodes, um, especially in their Crisis episode. Um, but consistently, I feel like the show made really kind of smart choices this season in terms of how it dealt with characters, how it gave um, really some really great stuff to uh, Mick to finally have. Um, And to also like continue that path of, wait, who's McRory? Does any of this make sense? No, but it doesn't matter because that's not what we care about on this show. Um, so all of that stuff, plus just the beauty of Mr. Parker's cul-de-sac. Um, so good. Yes, so good. Um, that I just, again, it was something that I kept looking forward to. Are there big problems with this season? Yes. All the stuff with the fates doesn't really work. Um, in part The whole supernatural thing? Like, yes. what a, what a missed opportunity. Massively missed opportunity, and... Centering a season around Charlie was also a mistake, and that's not um, the fault of um, uh, Maisie Richardson Sellers because she's great. It's the fault of the show not doing enough with Charlie to set any of this up. Um, so that was really frustrating, but at the same time, we also get Tala Ash playing two different Zaris, and I want both of them to stay. Um, yeah. So you don't get to say that <laughs> when care, when actors play two different versions of themselves, you typically want one of them to go away and I want both Zaris to stay. Um, so I think that this show generally is just really delightful anyway. And especially considering that episode started airing in January, but then as the pandemic progressed, so did their zaniness. So mm-hmm. by the time we got to the beginning of June, we got Swan Thong, which everyone, please remember, they got Cisco. <laughs> the Cisco, yep. not Cisco Ramon, but the Cisco to come in and sing. And he still had all of that stuff himself. They didn't have to make any of it. Um, and the shake weight, Kate, the shake weight. Well, you know... You've mentioned Tell Ash and her terrific dual performance this mm-hmm. season. Um, you have not mentioned some of the most important things, like the bunny and like the son of Sam Dog. Oh, the son uh, of Sam Dog. Because, holy crap, I have not laughed more, Mm-mm. I think. Like, maybe my my number two show. But, like, 
I have not enjoyed a reveal more than that. Yes. All year. It's so good. It's so pure. And it's it's so Gary. Of course, of course, this is what happens when you take Gary down to hell. This is why he's not allowed on the field trips. Um, I'm so glad Gary's a series regular next season. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I had more problems than you did with the Constantine stuff and with, mm-hmm. like, all this, you know, the, what, what was happening with the different, like, the fracturing of mm-hmm. the... The storylines, I wanted a lot more time with certain elements of the cast. But the things that that worked this season worked really, really well. And you've pointed to several of them. So I I won't repeat, uh, I won't just repeat you. um, But yeah, the things that worked this season were top tier. And uh, this is one that could easily be like much higher on my list or uh, just like lower where I had it or just even knocked off because it depends on, on a given day how much I'm focusing on the things that I really loved versus how much I'm irritated by the things that didn't quite come together for me. So, um, but yeah, I mean, we're big fans of Legends here and there's a reason because there's no other show like it. Have you looked at the episode titles that they've released already for season six? No, because I look forward to that being part of my joy of discovery oh, so for good. next year. I don't doubt it, but don't you dare spoil me. Okay, I will. I need to make I sure just... I communicate that to Allison as well. Yeah, you need to um, tell Allison, a uh, friend of the show, Allison Shoemaker, that because we will probably tell you. So I'm tell sure her you, y'all will you. <laughs> want to be talking about them quite a bit, which fair I'm going to text uh, her right now about one of them. <laughs> well, do you have any final thoughts on, on Legends of Tomorrow? Uh, or if not, I guess I will go to my number seven. Yeah, tell me about your number seven. Do, I mean, this has got to be on your list, I think. It mm-hmm. might be higher. Brooklyn Nine-Nine? Brooklyn Nine-Nine is actually not on my list. <gasps> Brooklyn Nine-Nine? Yeah. They had such a strong season, though. It was... I think I ended up ranking it middle tier this year. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Fair enough. Uh, part of, for me, Brooklyn Nine-Nine, I thought it had a really strong season when I looked at, like... Again, it's one of those ones that, like, this is very good. Like, fitting in with this category that you have for this part of your list. Yeah. Like, this is always very good. And I looked up the episodes, I'm like, is this still very good? Yes. Yep. Um, but then when I looked at the specifics of, like, wait, what, what happened to which ones? I was like, oh, actually, I really liked all of these, pretty much. and Because, you know, this is one, especially in this year, um, that I feel uh, awkward, including in the list. And, you know, this is a show that is very much part of the trend in American television, lionizing and not engaging with all of the problems with American policing um, and with police brutality. I mean, they have their episodes where there's jokes about who can arrest the most people in the given day for, mm-hmm. you know, petty bullshit so that they can win a competition, not really, you know, not engaging at all with the way that, that this can just absolutely destroy someone's life. Um, so there are plenty of reasons to, um, you know, to, for me to have question marks about my enjoyment of the show. And I'm actually really curious what's going to happen in the next season. I, I know that the yeah. cast have talked about them retooling the season to respond to, uh, you know, everything that was happening this summer with protests against police brutality and violence. Um, this, the, the, the suggested like thing going on Twitter of like, can they just like all work at the post office next year? Mm-hmm. I'm super, I, I would be so here for that. Yeah. Um, but for me, the, you know, some of the storylines that really stuck out, I loved the stuff we got with Wench and um, her funeral um, and her final, final, like, trolling of Holtz. I liked what we got with um, 
you know, with Amy and Jake trying to conceive and what happened with all of that. I liked, you know, again, another heist. The fact that they are still keeping me engaged with heists. I mean, they're not yeah. at their peak of that. They are but, not, but. but But still, like, they're on, like, five or six. Like, it's impressive that they are still, like, I still enjoy that part of it. Um, it was, I thought, another strong season. So that's why it is my number seven. What's your number seven? My number seven is Better Things. Oh, I have it higher. Okay. Well, then so that's look, the end of These Are Good and Consistent. You already know it. Yeah. Well, now let's take a break, listen to some more music, and be right back with our final two categories. Right, right back after this. You will always be a part of me. And I'm part of you indefinitely. Boy, don't you know you can't escape me. Because you know you'll always be my baby. And we'll linger on Time can erase a feeling that's strong No way you're never gonna shake me Ooh, darling, cause you'll always be my baby When a humble bar Graced a ride along With girl talk Along came this up to our top six of 2020, which are broken into two categories for you. So what is your lower of these two categories? So is the great surprises. So these are things that snuck up on me this year Mm -hmm. um, that maybe I didn't have any expectations about, or I was just generally like, oh, this is significantly better than I thought it was going to be. Or, oh, this this show snuck up and stabbed me in the back and then slit my throat um, Mm -hmm. in one of these instances. Um, in, in a good way, but also in a bad way. 
Um, so yeah, so the great surprise is, is this next uh, pod of four shows. Okay. Um, so my number six is a show that was on your list already. So let's talk about Infinity Train, but mostly let's talk about Cracked Reflection because... <laughs> yeah, I mean, Infinity Train 3, Call, Call to the Conductor, had its moments and certainly... Like, I don't even know, I have, listeners will know by the time they hear this, if I have included the song from that, mm. or if it's too emotionally destructive <laughs> for me. Like, they are not pulling punches with that third season, but it, it ended up feeling pretty hollow for me comparatively. Yeah. Um, you you liked the second season more than I did. You engaged with, the, you, you were more connected to those characters than I was, but it's still a really creative, beautiful uh, intriguing show, and that, and again, especially in its second season, was very um, interested in identity and in, um, you know, how your actions and your choices shape who you are versus, you know, what you have control over and what you don't. Um, and it's you got to appreciate it. Uh, air quotes, kids show that's not afraid of the of the horror. Um, you know, I'm thinking of, of course, of the oh so traumatizing. Uh, content from say like a, a uh, who framed Roger Rabbit, <laughs> and I feel like we get like kind of that level of of uh, intensity and trauma in the second season of Infinity Train with yeah. you know what with the stuff that goes down, and then also in the third season, um, uh, and any show that that connects to me on that level, right? On um, that gets me that in, in invested in it, um, while still making me feel respected and um understood as an audience uh, i think is some doing something really special any show can make you upset at how they treat characters the, the mm-hmm. hundred um it takes another sh- a, a particular kind of skill to craft a, like to 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 make a choice like that and then either earn it or at least have it be something that as an audience member um i can understand and appreciate why like why they've made that choice and it feels narratively uh, sincere versus something for shock value. Um, so yeah, there's a lot to appreciate. I mean, I haven't even talked about the animation or the voice performances, but it, there's a lot to appreciate about uh, Infinity Train. So this, like you said, this is one of your great surprises. Were, was yeah. it the the boost from season one to season two that that puts it there? Or was it just in general um, boor- getting on board with Infinity Train? So I think some of it's that boost um, from whatchamacallit um, from season one to season two, from the perennial child to cracked reflection. Um, And I also think some of that is also the fact that we didn't, I didn't, we didn't, I didn't discover infinity train until late in 2019 and then cracked reflection dropped entirely on January 6th and ran until January 10th. Um, across a week because this was again a show that was intended for HBO Max but HBO Max kept getting delayed so they just put it on Cartoon Network for the first chunk of it Um, and then Cult of the Conductor aired on HBO Max where it was supposed to be which explains a lot of stuff in (laughs) Cracked Reflection Um, so I think for me especially with Cracked Reflection is that MT who's voiced really well by Ashley Johnson who voiced Tulip um, in uh, Perennial Child is just really great. And I think that a lot of that also boils down to the fact that this is a really great, like you said, story about identity and what does it mean to be yourself, especially when you're 
removed from someone and from a sense of self that was previously you because she was a reflection and now she's on her own again. What does that mean? So I think that there's a lot of really great, thorny, complicated, beautiful identity stuff in Cracked Reflection that for me makes up for a lot of the kind of not the messiness of Cult of the Conductor in a lot of ways. Um, On top of that, we get, like you said, really great vocal performances, especially in Cult of the Conductor, because we get Agents Mace and Sieve voiced respectively by Ben Mendelsohn and Bradley Whitford. And Bradley Whitford's great, especially near the end when Sieve just kind of loses it. But Mm -hmm. Mendelsohn is ridiculous from the jump. Um, Both of them guested in book one, but they get a, they are recurring in uh, Cracked cracked Reflection. And Mendelssohn is just ridiculously good, as he is in pretty much everything. Everything, yeah. Um, Like, it's almost enough to make me watch that Netflix show he was on with Coach Taylor, but not quite enough because I know that that show isn't good. (laughs) Um, I can't even remember the name of it. That's how... What is that show called? It's the one set in the Keys, right? Yeah. I don't remember. I don't remember it either. Got, it got, uh, it got um, Coach Taylor. It got, it got Kyle Chandler his uh, Emmy, though, didn't it? Yeah, it did. I think so, yeah. Anyway, it doesn't matter because Ben Mendelsohn's really, really good in this. And, I mean, that little song he sings, um, just, yeah, it's rough. It's rough. Um, but I also, like you said, like, this is a show that's ostensibly for children that really dives into a lot of really interesting issues that I'm glad that Cracked Reflection ended up on Cartoon Network, where it had potentially the chance to reach a larger audience than it would have if it had just been on HBO Max. So really great stuff. Plus, also, you know, you get Reese Darby's as a sentient liquid person. And who (laughs) doesn't love Reese Darby as a sentient liquid person? Who? Also, when he's a scheming koala, as Kate found out this year. <laughs> Delightful. Mm-hmm. Uh, and always welcome uh, in, like, live action or in animated form. Always enjoy Restarby. Um, yeah. It's it's a terrific show. If you haven't watched it yet, listeners, check it out. Um, my number six is The Great. Is this on yours? It's just a couple notches above. So if you want to discuss it now, we can. Yeah, no, let's, let's stick to the format because you know me, okay. I like a format. What's mm-hmm. your number five? My number five is also a little further up your list, so we'll save it, I'm imagining, but it's okay. I May Destroy You. This is okay, the show yeah. that stabbed me in the back and slit my throat, but in a good way. <laughs> okay, yeah, more yeah. on that in a bit. My number five is Harley Quinn, the animated series. My, it's my number four. So let's do this. Let's do this. Because who the hell thought this was going to be good? No yeah. one told me this was good until it was on HBO Max, except I told you it was good because it was on sci-fi. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I, you know, I had been hearing rumblings about it being good mm-hmm. for a while, but like, you know, nobody was like, but you need to go out and get access DC to, Universe, right. you have to get yeah. you DC Universe for this. Like, yeah. people were like, you know, if you have DC Universe, you've got to check this out. It's almost good enough to get it. But there wasn't like a sense of urgency with that. Or maybe yes. there wasn't. I wasn't listening. That's very possible. No, there um, wasn't. There was no urgency oh, okay. about it. Yeah. Okay. Well, because another one that we, you know, very much enjoyed was Doom Patrol. And mm-hmm. I think the combination of um, how much I ended up really enjoying Doom Patrol, though it's not on my list for this year, um, and how much I enjoyed uh, Harley Quinn would have really kicked things up on the, on the should you pay for um, DC Universe spectrum, uh, not for Swamp Thing, which 
Nope. But for listeners, the other ones, you'll maybe. notice Kate has just stopped talking about Swamp Thing on the on the podcast yeah. after like doing yeah. an episode. It's on, <laughs> it's on my DVR. I've been mostly keeping up with it, but it's just it's just not it's not for me. But you know yeah. what is for me, Harley Quinn. Um, mm-hmm. We've we've given plenty of praise to Kelly Cuoco yes. for her produ- produ- uh, producing choices, but also her vocal choices as a performer in this. Um, it is absolutely delightful. The like it's it's really funny. It's really mm-hmm. violent. If that is your thing, if cartoon violence is your thing, um, there's a lot to appreciate in the animation, and there's a lot to appreciate in just their twists on these very very familiar characters. You know, it's it's very popular to decry the loss of originality in storytelling right now because there is so much power in just a few corporations who are returning to familiar brands rather than taking a chance on anything new. Of course, they're taking a chance on those these returning brands because who really wants to see a reboot of the Home Alone movies? But they're going to do them. <sighs> um, and yet, uh, when... You know, a show like Harley Quinn shows you just how much life there is in, you know, returning to familiar characters in a new way or or putting, you know, engaging with a freestanding, like, mythos or mythology. And it's not what I want from every corner of my viewing of my pop culture diet. But when it's done well, it's really hilarious and it's really fun and it's really interesting. And so the fact that Birds of Prey was one of the most entertaining and interesting um, movies I saw this year, I didn't mm-hmm. see very many, yeah. um, but but it's still up there. And um, we've been sing- singing the praises of Rosie Perez over on uh, Streaming a Place, but you know, of course she's also great um, on in, in Birds of Prey. And then... Harley Quinn is on my in my top five for TV of the year. I mean, it shows that there's a lot of life in these characters, and there's plenty to say that is different about them, even at the exact same moment in time. So, uh, yeah, very funny. Super on board with this season that we got this year and the parts of last season that we got this year as well. Mm-hmm. Um, glad it's on your list. Glad it's on my list. Yeah, no, it's it's an absurdly surprising show. Like my partner, and I just put it on because uh, we like you. We sort of heard like it was good. And then it was like, oh, no, this is this is very good. Um, and then season two dropped and became available outside of DC Universe. And it was like, oh, Oh, this is a whole other like level type of thing. Even though this was all also all clearly produced roughly at the same time, um, and so I really appreciated the ways in which, to your point about the like established IP aspect of it, is that Harley Quinn's a great vehicle for needling and deconstructing and poking fun at that established IP mythos, and then the show's decision to use characters like Doctor Psycho. Um, who's relatively unknown outside comic book fans um, place um, as a Wonder Woman villain um, on top of like weird things with that they do with Clayface um, and then beautiful, beautiful Saul <laughs> um, who I, I think is an original for this show. Doesn't matter. He's great. The ways in which that they just can construct this wild superhero deconstructive narrative, but also do this really, again, great story about how do you define yourself after something cataclysmic has happened to you? Um, and the answer is try to take over the city, but also save it at the same time. Um, but also fall in love with your best friend. It's all great. It's all good. Mm-hmm. Um, and also break Kite Man's heart. But, you know, 
he ended up just being a stupid, stupid cinnamon roll of a man. Um, so I think that there's so much good stuff to recommend in Harley Quinn, and it was such a wonderful surprise to find that it was a really strong, for me, not quite at that level, but within the same vein of being a great successor to the Venture Brothers. Yeah. Well, and again, like you said, such a totally surprise. as well. Yeah. Such, such a welcome surprise. And um, yeah, <laughs> we have we haven't mentioned we haven't mentioned King Shark. Oh like, God, King Shark! They got me on board with King Shark. How do you do that? The way that they did here, you cast round punches, and then you just are have to be hilarious. Um, so much to appreciate this season, and I'm I'm really looking forward to season three. Um, mm-hmm. What you know, that was your number four. My number four is Better Things. So yeah. let's talk about it. Let's talk about it. Why was this one so high on your list? Because I don't think it, I don't remember it making your list last year. No, I, you know, I had, I was behind on it last year. You were behind on it last year. That's right. Because this is a show that's very easy to like, not want to (laughs) watch. Yeah. Or just to like. very good. It doesn't um, demand your attention in a way that other shows do. Mm-hmm. Um, Just through its conventions and how it structures itself. It's like, oh, you're, you know, it's like. You know, it's the kind of show where you show up at its house. It's like, oh, yeah, come on in. Yeah, we're just kind of hanging out. And then yeah. you can, you're welcome to hang out, but they're not going to call you and be like, hey, do you want to be here at this time? You know, um, which is, I'm just stretching this metaphor way too long. But the it point works, is, though. it, yeah, it's such a cozy and, well, not cozy. It's such a, it's such a relaxed show while dealing with some really complicated issues. It, I mean, it's, it's centered on these, primarily these women and they're all at even though it's it's Sam and her three daughters they're all at such distinct ages for change um Sam is just turned 50 at the start of this or the end of the previous season and then we have uh like we've got you've got the daughter who's just out of like well leaving college so like a college yeah, dropout but the, yeah. you know starting a different plan for her life than she thought she was going to have for quite a long time. And then you've got like 15 and then you've got starting middle school or that she graduates elementary school, Duke graduates elementary school and in the season. So like those are some like formative years and moments and watching each of these characters as they engage with and uh, like are shaped by their experiences was really Really compelling TV. There was a lot of really great stuff for Rich, too. DJ Bear remains fantastic. Um, uh, but the like the stuff that sticks with me is the Batsignera. It's it's that fabulous sequence with the typewriter symphony. Mm-hmm. Um, it's uh, it's the conversation with the the on the you know about losing one's virginity over and talking about it over a bowl of ice cream. It's about you know, it's just, it's all of these moments, both like the really satisfying dressing downs, uh, dressings down uh, that we get of, oh God, sweet 16. She's 15, you asshole. <laughs> um, but it's also just the really quiet moments, uh, you know, as, as Sam just sits at the bar and watches her daughter do a good job at her job as the mm-hmm. hostess. Yeah. You know, it's a really beautiful show and it, it, because it tends to be about the significance of smaller moments without adding stakes and out, adding artificial like weight to them. 
I think it's easy for people like myself to overlook or to get behind on, you know, and not feel like I need to be caught up so I can stay current with the discourse. Um, and that's why it's, you know, slipped off my list in other years because I've gotten behind on it. But this year I was very glad that we um, decided to to spotlight it. So I made sure I caught back up because I thought it was a really, really strong season. Adlin's just getting better and better as an actor and as a, as a creative force and as a director. I mean, she's directed all of the season, all the previous season. Um, actually, I think all but the first season, she's directed every episode. Um, um, and the... Yeah, um, she's directed everything since season two. Yeah. Um, so she's, you know, she got some really great visuals this season. She got some really great shots and had, and of course, watching these young performers grow up has been absolutely delightful. They're so good. They're so good. Uh, what did you think about Better Things this season? Why is it on your list? I think that it's just bonkers how good this season was. Um, and it was in my, you know, this is good category mm-hmm. because we know it's good. Um, But I really do feel like that this season, apart from some gender essentialism that kind of, which is always a problem, which is always a problem with, um, with better things. um, And was deeply frustrating this season about women and menstrual periods um, as a unifying thing. Um, That was frustrating. Um, Especially when you have a character like Frankie. Yeah. Um, where clearly you're, as a show, really interested in exploring this idea of gender identity. And then just, it feels both like deliberate and unconscious decision making on Adlin's part to do this. Um, but at the same time, I I don't want to be too angry because Hannah Allgood is so great this year as Frankie Um, that I can't be upset about it. She's just deliriously good as Frankie. You talked about performers growing up and Hannah Allgood just comes in as this force of nature this season in particular because they give her such great material, Um, which is great because Max previously got a lot of the great material and Mm -hmm. Max is very much in the background this season, which I appreciate. Um, Aside from the really uncomfortable but then really funny um, exchange of the C word that happens... (laughs) Um, in episode four that made me very uncomfortable and then just I didn't know what to do <laughs> um, but everything else is really great and I think that one of the other big things I really love is that I feel like this season even more so than the previous season put a big button on Xander mm-hmm. um, and by a big button I mean a check that says Xander Hall is a loser who abandoned his kids LLC because um, fuck Xander um, mm-hmm. So I think that there's just a lot of really great stuff in this season that I really loved watching. And that last trio of episodes that are very Xander driven were just great. So um, I really, really liked this season and it continues to just be a beautiful show that, like you said, doesn't want to call attention to itself. But when you do watch it, you it's hard to look away from it when you have it on which is the mark of a really good show, especially right now. Yeah, no, it's terrific. This is, you know, it's not drawing attention to itself, so we are drawing attention to it. Catch up with better things if if you have fallen behind or or seek it out if you have not. Yeah, it's on Hulu. Um, Like, everything's on Hulu. Just watch it. It's great. (laughs) Everything's on either Hulu or HBO Max, right? Between those two, you're pretty much set. Um, Well, what's your number... That, that was my three. number four. What's your number four? You're in three? What's your My three? number four is Harley Quinn. Oh, that's right. Okay, yeah. what's your three? My number three is The Great. 
Oh yeah, my that's that's my number six. So yeah, let's talk yeah. about it. It was pretty <sighs> great. It is pretty great. And again, this is a show that I was like, oh, this is going to be fine. It's going to be okay. It's so it, uh, I was not expecting to like it nearly as much as I did. Um, it's just so deliriously delightful spin on Puri Peace Court Intrigue um, with banger performances top to bottom, um, but also great costuming, great set design. Um, and I just... It's great. Like, the great is great. Like, it's just right there in the title. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's also just worked really well also as a pair to something like Harley Quinn as well of this disruptive force that just shakes up everything um, within its story universe. And just watching everyone try to keep up and then her get setbacks and then just barrel ahead again. It's just... It's just really good. Plus, I mean, why would you shave off your beards? Don't shave off your beards. Um, so it's really great. I really like the great. Um, why was this on your list? Um, it it pretty much had everything mm-hmm. you're gonna want. Um, mm-hmm. It had it's hilarious. It has um, just a deliriously entertaining performance, like Nicholas Holtz, um, which oh, is so showy, and it has such a detailed and pointed and. Uh, thoughtful performance like we get from Elle Fanning. Um, Sasha Dewan gets a lot of really good stuff in there as well. Um, and it's, it's, it's silly and it's, and it's funny and it's scary and uh-huh. it's timeless and it's very much of a time. So yeah. it does a lot of things and it does them all really well. Um, the scripts I tended to really like. I like the structure of a lot of the season. It mm-hmm. felt distinctly episodic in a way that you, you know I miss. I wish yes. more shows were. Um, and That's a great reminder about this, yeah. Yeah, it, it's, it's one of those shows that always will get nods for like best costuming because it's most costuming, which is yes. going to happen in a period piece like this. But there's just a sense of whimsy and fun, but always intent mm-hmm. behind everything that is just makes it really a really enjoyable experience and a, one that that lingers again on the palette. And, and you know, it's one that another one that I just normally would be like, oh, we're all sitting around and we are to find a show that we will all enjoy. I think we will all enjoy The Great, which is mm-hmm. not what I would have anticipated yeah, uh, exactly. when I was first hearing people talk about it or when I was first seeing the ads and stuff. There's so much substance to go with the fun. And uh-huh. there's so much more... F- like, usually, if depending on how they had advertised it, I did not anticipate the substance we got based on the ad campaign. And if they had gone for the substance, I wouldn't have anticipated the fun we get. Right, exactly. So, the fact that it marries both of those two, I think, is while making some interesting and I think effective choices in the, their historical um, accuracy. Air quotes. You know, some things are very accurate, yeah, and some things really cares? aren't. This isn't the Crown. I don't expect it to be historically accurate. Exactly. Jab at the Crown. <laughs> jab at the well. Jab at uh, jab at the the monarchy. <laughs> um, yeah. But um, yeah, it, it's it's super fun. So if you overlook the great like like I did for so long. Check it out. Yeah, absolutely. Um, mm-hmm. So that was my number three. Well, my um, number three is The Good Place, which I don't believe is on your list. It is not on my list. So, um, yeah, tell me about The Good Place being your number three. The, my Good Place is this high because I, I had issues with the last season of The Good Place, but I had yes. no issues with the final run of The Good Place. Ah, so this is one of those okay. things where the show really benefits 
from mm-hmm. which episodes aired in 2020 because it starts out, if I remember correctly, I'd have to double check. I believe it starts out with them getting to the good place and, uh, and that amazing, uh, casting of Lisa Kudrow, uh, that just kind of like, kicks the the end game of the show into high gear. Uh, the, that finale was absolutely gorgeous. Absolutely beautiful. So hard to do any finale, but I think they pretty much nailed their, their The Good Place finale, and it's one that I think will only... I, I have a sense that this will get better with time as opposed to yeah. diminishing with time. I mean, granted, it's only been, you know, like less than a year, but it already, I think, benefits you know, thinking about it now versus right after it aired, really liked it when it, right after it aired, but I think it's only like, I, I, this is going to hold up, I think. Um, and just the last stretch, you know, the last stretch really works for me. It's, it's all, everything that the show did really well without the baggage of the things that, um, started weighing it down and really, um, causing it to spin its wheels or, or feel like it uh, was stretching to get to a point where they could just, Tell, finish telling their story. So that's why The Good Place is so high for me. Yeah, and I think all of that makes sense. Um, and I do agree with you that I think that this is going to be uh, a thing that its reputation grows. The final season's reputation extends itself um, and grows with a little bit of distance. Um, hopefully. Knock on wood, hopefully. Um, but yeah, I just, when I was going through my list, I couldn't, like, think of those last four episodes as, like, enough, really. Um, mm-hmm. well, That's why Evil's not on right. my list. Or technically know? last five. Um, yeah. But it just didn't seem like enough. Um, and I remember feeling, like, a little frustrated by some of the choices in the finale. Um, and I just went, yeah, it's okay. It's okay. I'm going to be okay with it. I'm not going to go to the bad place for this. Um, but yeah, so I'm okay okay. with it. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, what is your final category here? Top tier goodness. This is just two shows. It was originally three, but it's only two. Um, do you want to share with everyone? Oh, I guess you could say next week what that other show is. Oh, my other show was, uh, Legends of Galactic Heroes, uh, the new series, uh, which is my space military show. That's about the collapse of democracy and the rise of fascism. Um, and how precarious. I don't know why that would feel relevant in 2020. I don't know why it would be relevant <laughs> either. Um, and the fun thing about it is, is that it's based on a series of books that were written in the 70s. I don't know why they decided to remake it. Um, but it's really great. It's on Crunchyroll. It's on Funimation. It's probably on Hulu at this point now. Um, but it's really great. You should watch it. Um, but yeah, it aired in 2019. So didn't get to be on my list. <laughs> um, so yeah, top tier goodness, two shows left for me. Um, mm-hmm. my number two show is, um, what we do in the shadows. Yep. That's my number two. Yeah, so let's... Cause it's, yeah, I'm... I had my number one show, which we've already mentioned. Yeah. We'll talk about it in a little yeah. bit. And then my number two show that I was surprised, but then not surprised yes. to have as my number two show of the entire year, what we do in the shadows. And it's because, it's just so damn funny. And every single episode, like even the least entertaining and the least funny episode is still really, really good. Yes. Like it was the most consistent show of the year for me. It was like the most creative and fun. And to watch, it's just so satisfying to watch a show that you already know is good reach what I hope isn't the 
the end of its peak, but reach like the, like culminate into the the best version of the show that at least that I can imagine. Here's hoping next season they somehow manage to top meet. Themselves, yeah. I, don't, I don't know how. Or, or even top themselves. But, like, Jackie Daytona, man. Jackie Daytona. Jackie motherfucking Daytona. Just, like, the best fictional character in a fictional show ever made. Uh, he loves that volleyball team. He wants to see them go all the way with his human beverages. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no. Yeah. I just, there was no other show that made me laugh, but there was also no other show that was this beautifully, elegantly consistent and Mm -hmm. i really don't feel like there was any other show that could do a chain email story yes and make it work in today's economy because how tired Mm -hmm. is a chain email joke it was in this climate it was tired in the 90s and yet Mm -hmm. you have three vampires panicking over a chain email magic Mm mm-hmm it's it's just the painting, like the painting of of their of 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 Nadia's hometown. I mean, it's so good, and, and everything. I mean, the council, like the 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 familiars, like everything they gave Guillermo to do was so terrific. He really got a spotlight this season that I'm looking forward into in a big way. Seeing what happens next, um, in a way that really helped the show. Like they tweet the the puppet right. Puppet Nadia, who, like, has just such a delicious dangling thread. Like, mm-hmm. it, it is zany and ridiculous and very carefully constructed. It's like the thing that I mentioned about Legia, right? It They make it look easy, and it's not, even remotely. So the the fact that it's like, well, but of course this is the s- series of adventures these characters go on this season, um why wouldn't why wouldn't we we meet a a girls high school volleyball team of course like the most ridiculous things are executed in a way that has you simultaneously rolling on the floor and also completely certain that of course this had to exist in this world how could it not how is it we not how has it taken us this long to see this chapter that we all somehow knew was there the whole time and now I'm just thinking about how tall Colin's hair got. Yeah. Even the, like, the gags about like Elvis, which I really didn't like, yeah. uh, d- d- do nothing to take away my enjoyment of the season. Nope. And like the, it's just, it's, the, 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 the witches, right? Like there's just, there's so much this season. It's just hit after hit after hit. Um, it's like to quote Brian says, it's all rise. Yeah, <laughs> the no, season is. is just all rise. It is. And even like so, an episode yeah. like the brain scramblies, which I think is like the weakest episode of the season. Just mm-hmm. the premise for that joke of the superb owl party mm-hmm. is golden. The rest of the episode's kind of okay, but I just love that joke that they thought they were going to a party about great owls. Like Mm-hmm. I don't know what else you need. I don't know what else you need from a television show. I don't know what else you need. Well, what else do you need from a television show? What's your number one? My number one is keep your hands off Izokin. Just keep your hands off so of I, it. I, I know what else you need. You need to have seen it, yeah. which I haven't still. Yeah. So that's why it's not on my list, listeners. Yeah, and I, I'm not going to I'm not going to talk about this too much because I talked about it um, earlier this year. But because I also want to talk about uh, your number one and my number five. Um, mm-hmm. but it was just such a beautiful, lovely, 
rich show about friendship, about the power of animation, and the ways in which those things all get layered in when you're in high school and you go to a high school in a weird town um, that is also like a city that's in the middle of the ocean, but who the hell knows? Because none of it matters because it's a big fantasy. Um, but it's really great. Um, and it's just beautiful. And I really don't think that there was another show that kind of captured that sense of this is what art can do. Um, in a way this year that, or really recently for me, that this is what art is and here's what it can do. And also pin it to the idea of collaboration in art, because so many of our great art stories are about one person's vision and keep your hands off Izokin is very much about the group's vision. And also how do we make money off of this exactly? Because we need to make money off of this. Um, but having that perspective also be valid in this discourse. Um, so I think it's really great. It's really, 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 really good. Please watch it. If you have HBO Max, you can watch this show without having to sit through the same two ads on Crunchyroll over and over again. Um, so watch it. It's going to be subtitled. There are no dubs for it, but go watch it. It's in the Crunchyroll section on HBO Max. Please watch it before the Crunchyroll Max section on HBO Max goes away because AT&T sold Crunchyroll to Sony last week. So just go watch it right now before it goes away because it's really great. Even the New York Times says it's really great. The failing New York Times. We, we, we don't care about the New York Times that, saying it's great. Noel says it's great and that means it's great. So go check it out. And I will yeah, try so to go do watch that. it, please. It's really great. Otherwise, I'm going to just make Kate watch it in August, but I hope she watches it sooner. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah. So that's my number one with a bullet all the way. There was like there was no choice on my number ones and number twos um, here, which is an inadvertent joke, and I apologize. Um, but let's talk about your number one and my number five. I may destroy you. Yeah, it's so good. It's just ridiculously good. Um, this is, this was the one that was just like immediately, well, this has to be my number one. This is my number mm -hmm. one thing that I watched this year. Um, and there's a lot of reasons for that. It, it's easy for this to feel like an important show, capital I, because of its subject matter of abuse and, and uh, trauma and violence uh, and assault and consent and all of that. But that's not why it's my number one. It's my number one for its craft and how it, it engages with these topics in really interesting, thoughtful, and specific ways. It's my number one for its performances and its writing for its characters and its really it's really nuanced looks at these characters. Michaela Cole did such a terrific job really like fleshing them out and I mean I'm sure on the page, but also the the actors, the performances, you know letting them all be different levels of, you know, great, fun, engaging, charismatic leads and, and supporting characters, but also really human and really difficult at times. They each have their issues. Um, they each are, you know, they, they each have uh, complicating elements to their to their choices and their personalities in a way that I think so often uh, shows about difficult topics don't like to to do because they're worried about 
people judging their characters or taking the wrong message away, um, as opposed to the message that they are human, they are people, and this happens to everyone, not just to paragons and not just to uh, to, to the the most prone to attack. Um, it, it's really funny. It's really uh, heartfelt. It's really painful. And it's unblinking in that pain. Um, and it's ultimately incredibly watchable if you space it out. <laughs> space it out. But like, yeah, if you space it out, that's really important. You get to the end, and the way it ends makes you want to rewatch the whole thing while also ensuring that you never want to watch it again because it's so difficult. And that's a diff- that's a tricky thing to keep in your head, but that's sort of where I'm at with the show. So that's that's why it had to be my number one. Why is it so high for you? Uh, for the reasons you just enumerated. Um, and I think it's rare to come across a show that is as smart as this show is, that is also as empathetic as this show is. Um, and like a runner for both of us, Um, especially across the five years you and I have been doing this together, which this is my official fifth year on the Televerse with this specific episode because 12, 15, 2015, I came on and Kate gave me a bunch of homework to do for my first episode. (laughs) Yeah. Um, She was like, you're going to introduce yourself to the listeners by doing your top 20. And then all this list stuff. And I just went, oh God, what have I gotten myself into? I was not expecting all of this. still here five years later, guys. Still here five years later. Um, But to get back, um, the humanism of I May Destroy You and the ways in which the show really specifically declares itself and its characters as human and thus deserving of empathy, of respect, of consideration but also the ways in which that gets very complicated very quickly, even among people who care about each other. Um, and so all of that core is just so great um, for me. And that that for me is why it was so high up. You listed all the great acting because there's a lot of it. Um, but there's also just a lot of really cool aesthetic stuff that the show does that I kind of just still can't get over. Um, but like you said, is also a show that you kind of have to space out. Um, like my partner, and I just kind of stopped watching it after a few episodes and then had to go back and like pick up the pace a little bit. Um, cause we fell behind because it was just kind of not pleasant to watch by design, but that's good. Mm-hmm. If a show can tap into something that makes you uncomfortable, um, while still being a show that you find a reason to go back to. Um, and that rewards you going back. So yeah, no, I may just, I know where it lands on my list is not reflective of what I'm saying, but then all lists are bullshit. Yeah. But also um, you're, you're, it's, yeah. it's your second highest tier. And then the second yeah. highest tier is alphabetical. So it's tied for yeah. third basically. And that's, that's, yeah. that is a very high placement. <laughs> yeah. Um, so no, this show's just really great and really thoughtful and really is one of the best shows of this year. Um, so yeah, no, this would definitely have been probably like number three if I had done like a more traditional list. Who cares? Doesn't matter. Yeah. Doesn't matter. Lists are dumb. We say two hours into our lists. Uh, Yeah. But at the end of our list too. So thanks for listening, suckers. (laughs) Well, it's We got you. Yeah, watching Michaela Cole in this 
part chapter of her career is really mm-hmm. fascinating. I'm looking forward to what comes next. As and, you know, we were on board with her from Chewing Gum, so you know, I look forward to whatever she wants to explore in her next project, whenever that is. Um, but clearly, she is an incredibly talented and thoughtful writer and um, also performer. So it's just it's when you watch a show. Uh, or, or just any in when you engage with any kind of art um, that has such a distinct perspective, um, it's it's exciting to to see what that like. I I'm thrilled and excited to see Michaela Cole's take on whatever she does next, um, based mm-hmm. on Me chewing too. gum, even, but also based on this. And when you put those two shows next to each other, and you know the, the, they. They say a lot, I think, and I'm fascinated with what's going to happen next. So if you have not sought out, I may destroy you. Um, and I mean, if you have not sought it out very intentionally because of, you know, because of concerns about depictions of, uh, of assault, sexual assault, violence, uh, all sorts of, you know, you know, issues like that. Absolutely understand. You know, you know yourself. You know your triggers. Do or do not engage uh, based on that. If you just haven't, you forgot about it, or you know, you weren't in the right headspace for it at the time. Um, if you are now, or if you're open to it, seek it out. It's an absolutely um, beautiful and painful and affirming um, and terrifying show. Mm-hmm. It's everything. It's all of those and more. So. It's available on HBO. And also BBC? Co-production, right? Yeah. Uh, yes, it's co-production with co-production. BBC. Well, that is going to wrap up our top 20 for 2020. Uh, next week, we're going to have the Smorgasbordy with all of our best of everything else. So listeners, uh, feel free to reach out. We look forward to hearing from you. With any ca- if, you, if there are any categories that we don't usually do that you think we should... Now is the time. Speak now or leave a comment later on the website, I guess. Um, but a few show notes here at the end of the episode. You can find a post for this episode over at thetelliverse.org where you can leave us a comment and let us know what we thought of the week's TV. You can like our page on Facebook and start up a conversation there. You can email us, theteleverse at gmail.com. And we're also up in Apple Podcasts with an M4A chaptered feed and, and an MP3 unchaptered feed. And then, of course, we're both on Twitter. I am at the Televerse and Noel, you are. At Noel RK. Uh, thank you so much for a great list, Kate, and for a great five years. Woo! Thank you, Noel, and thank you, everyone, for listening. Um, yeah, yeah, we're so cl- we're so close to the end of 2020. I think I think the close to the end of 2020 is one thing to celebrate. I think five years together on the Televerse is a much more significant and meaningful thing to celebrate. So let's let's leave on that note. Thank you, Noel. Thank you. Bye, everyone, and we'll be back next week with another episode of the Televerse. You've been socially distant.